Welcome all survivors, helpers, and allies of sexual trauma. This is the FOF Podcast, where we help match you with resources for your sexual healing journey to increase your confidence and handle life the freak-out-free way. We are Claire Horner and Dr. Sadal Jones, two sexual trauma specialists and resource matchmakers committed to your healing and ours. To heal our own sexual trauma while helping others do the same, we've dedicated our professional and personal lives to healing. But that doesn't make us more of an expert on your healing journey than you. You are your own best resource. We want peace and safety back in our lives. Let's do that together. The Freak Out Freeway on the FOF Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the FOF Podcast. I am Dr. Sadal. And I'm Claire. Welcome back. And we are ready to record another, what we call like a topic. This is kind of a topic discussion. As always, Claire and I have conversations about different things. And oftentimes we stop ourselves and say, oh, we should have that conversation with our listeners. So that's kind of what we're doing today. We're having the conversations with you all. So before we get started, as always, we're going to start with maybe a five or so minute meditation, breathing for both myself and Claire, and then for you too, to get on the same page and be prepared for the conversation that lies ahead. So we'll do five minutes right. and then we will jump right in. Because we're going to be talking about female perpetrators, unlikely perpetrators, unpopular perpetrators, where this shows up. So that might be pretty stirring. So let's take a few seconds. Okay. So as Claire stated, we're going to talk about female perpetrators today. And I will say at the very beginning of this conversation that as with most things, Claire and I start a topic and we go, oh, we should talk about this. And as we're talking about and developing the conversation that we want to have on air, so to speak, it kind of beelines to so many other conversations. Yes. (laughs) Rabbit trails galore. Absolutely. And so that is, this conversation is, is not any different from any other conversation that, that we tend to have. So it started with us wanting to ensure that the conversations we have with our audience kind of align with our themes for this season. And one of our themes is the male perspective of sexual assault. So in that we begin to talk about female perpetrators, which is a topic that isn't really, isn't really discussed as much. We don't see a lot of coverage of female perpetrators. And there's not a lot of conversation about female perpetrators. Typically when as trauma is discussed, it's discussed from the standpoint of a male perpetrator, whether it be female or male survivor. And of course, we wanted to kind of highlight the difference in that and what where that comes from. How does society play into that? How do our own biases play into that? And so that's kind of where our conversation is gonna gonna start today. So Claire, do you wanna start with kind of the what we define as a female perpetrator? Sure. And and I'll also just kind of invite you to go on these rabbit trails with us and see where, where your thoughts are. That's really, you know, why we're here is to spark your thoughts about your own circles, what happens in your family and your social circles and all of that and, and with your friends and, and the people who are close to you. Mm-hmm. So with female perpetrators perpetrator, even the word perpetrator, right? Let's start there. That word 
is encapsulates a lot. You know, we get a certain image and that's one of the things that, you know, I want to highlight and we'll talk, we'll definitely talk about more later is how stereotypes get in here. Mm -hmm. And we can't talk about this topic without talking about the stereotypes of, you know, the nurturing female or woman or mother there's so many you know, identifiers and types of things that we are and do. And I don't even identify with all of those right. myself. But when we think of that role, if we are really invested in that role, in those roles, if we are really invested in the seeing women and females as that, then we're going to be less likely to be able to notice when there are grooming red flags. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you listened already to the topic episodes at the beginning of the season for the masculine experience and even with culture and race and even in media, mm -hmm. you know that we're trying to have the conversations in ways that we never see the conversations being had before and trying to introduce sometimes maybe controversial or even taboo conversations to the audience yes. because we think that's important. I think as we develop the conversations that we do have, I think what happens is we find that, oh, no one ever talks about the differences between race and culture in sexual abuse or sexual assault reporting or the difference mm -hmm. in male and female identified sexual abuse or sexual assault and where that comes from, how society impacts that, how our biases are impacted by those stereotypes and those systemic issues. I always talk about the systemic problems that perpetuate these situations. And so I think for me coming from a, an aspect of being a survivor, but also being a healer and a helper, I think, and an advocate, I think it's important to have the conversations that no one ever really has. And so when I think, I'll say this, I mean, when I think of female perpetrators, I have this idea in my head about females being safer because they're nurturers. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. there's this idea that if they're nurturer, they can't be predators. Right. 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 Which we know that's not true. And we also know that all females, identified females, are not nurturers. That is a systemic characteristic <laughs> that doesn't always apply. And it's also something that's used in the grooming from that perspective. Mm -hmm taking advantage of access mm -hmm. to either children or even Vulnerable older people in the, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. right. You know, in the form of babysitters or coaches mm -hmm. or teachers, before we started meeting, I pulled up a list of just headlines of, and the, the search I did was female teacher arrested for sexually abusing students. And this is just 2023. So female teachers, here are some headlines. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read these uh, because I think it it speaks directly to our our premise here that it's not discussed and you may have not even caught these yourself. Mm -hmm. So there was a former Buckeye teacher arrested in the sexual abuse of a student, 42 year old former teacher, 74 year old female teacher faces 600 years behind bars. I did see that story. A New York teacher, a there's a teacher in, I'm in San Diego, and there's a teacher that, teacher of the year arrested, accused of sex crimes. 
teacher was 34 in National City. An LA teacher, elementary school teachers, six female teachers in the U.S. arrested over sexual assault. Norris High School teacher arrested for alleged sexual assault. And this isn't, I mean, I think these are the stories from 2023, but we know, I know for me, I can think back 10, 15 years of female perpetrators, teachers being one that have preyed on and taken advantage of younger male students and had children with them, have fallen in love with them, quote unquote, which I think for me, mm-hmm. the, if, if, the, if the tables were flipped, right? So if we're saying a female teacher has two children, I can't remember her name, first name, Mary, can't remember her last name, but this was maybe 20 years ago, fell in love with a sixth grader had a sexual relationship with a sixth grader, ended up having a baby with a sixth grader, was actually convicted of sexual assault, of, I think of statutory rape. And I remember the conversation being, and still is about, well, if it's a high school student and, and the teacher's younger, and if it's a, it's not the age all the time. Sometimes it is the no. power differential between the two people. And I think exactly. in our society, we tend to excuse female perpetrator with male victims or survivors because the idea is, oh, they're men, they're males. So it's it's not that, it's not the same as if it was a male. If there were male teachers having children with their sixth and seventh grade students, people would be more outraged. What is that about? But that goes to kind of what we're saying, right? The idea that, oh, if it's a female, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Or there's an expectation of masculinity in boys. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay. You talk about the rites of passage. Yes, that's it. I was going to say yes. what I'll call it. It's like this idea of the rites of passage. Like, oh, well, that's expected. He has to learn some kind of way. Someone has to teach him. But does it have to be his teacher? Does it have to be an older person? Does it have to be someone who's of authority? Because what that does to our brain, right, is that screws our brain up from thinking about how we think about the, the space of of sex or consensual sex or intimate relationships. And that's where I was, that's where my brain went, is how can you provide consent? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Because my thought is this, if a 15-year-old girl can't provide consent, neither can a 15-year-old boy. Absolutely not. Right? If a 16-year-old girl, if a 17-year-old girl, if these girls are protected in that way, then why aren't we not protecting men from female perpetrators in that same way? I also think, again, this is the rabbit hole that we tend to go down, y'all. So I also think of male perpetrators and male victims and survivors, right? If it was a 15-year-old boy and a 30-year-old man, there would be all kind of outrage about the violation and the manipulation. But it's the same thing that happens with a female perpetrator or a Mm -hmm. female, someone who grooms, as you stated before. I think those are the things that I tend to think about. But for me, it goes back to It goes back to societal norms or expectations of male and females, the role of male and female. And I also think it goes back to systems that we're in, depending. And when I say systems, it can be familial systems, it can be community systems, cultural systems that we're in that perpetuate the space of what is or isn't okay. Mm -hmm. I think something, too, that is missed is how often people dismiss those relationships when they say, but he looked like a man. She looked like an adult. Mm-hmm. That's not, that, Has that does not qualify. That, you know what that does? That blames the victim. So now you're blaming exactly. the victim for their, for their 
their development that has nothing to do with them. They didn't, they don't control that. Right. Boys don't control when they get beards. They don't control when their voice changes. Girls don't control when their um, anatomy is starts to change. We don't control that. So now you're blaming the victim or the survivor for something they can't control. And even Mm -hmm. if they could, the uh, responsibility of the adult is, is just that it's the responsibility of the adult. Exactly. And when you get into, you know, the excuses of the child, and when I say child, I'm not talking about law, law or legal Mm -hmm. limits or whatever. I'm thinking a person under say 21 Mm -hmm. to blame that person for being seductive. No, 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 Mm -hmm. no, no. That's Mm -hmm. not. mm -mm. No. The idea that you would even say that a child seduced you, there's a problem with, in my opinion, not the opinion of everyone, but I think that that means there's something wrong with you. In generalities, I would absolutely agree. If a child is now seducing you as an adult. Right. Because again, the expectation is the expectation is that you as the adult would have the ability to make a better decision. Mm-hmm. So thinking about some other places that that we see this, you know, the, you know, we're, we're talking about media's the role of media in healing and the, the, we're not specifically talking about it, but the role of uh, S trauma in the media industry or the ways that relationships of power happen mm-hmm. affects actors. It affects of all ages, to be honest. So that is a place too, where we have to look at the power differential and it can be along the lines of, you know, is someone blocking an opportunity? Is someone, you know, I mean, I've mentioned before, not today, but I've mentioned before how, you know, exposure can be an S trauma. Mm Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a physical act. Mm-hmm. That comes into the conversation too. My my, my brain is a little bit all over the place with this <laughs> with this topic. With this topic, it, yeah. Well, I will say too. One of the reasons that it I, I will say for me that I feel like I, my thoughts are all over the place is because we do we have so many thoughts about the avenues and the roads that we can go down when it comes to this topic. Yeah, I think about family. I always give the example of the auntie that always wants to kiss the kids, and the kids are like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, mm-hmm. we don't want to, we don't want to go over auntie such and such house. Like, mm-hmm. we don't know what's going on over there." I think about mm-hmm. that again, that because the idea is that, oh, well, the female is nurturing, so there's no way that that female can be abusive. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. We know that that's not the case. That babysitter is nurturing. Oh, they love the kids. The same doubts that you have about men who love the kids too much have the same doubts about females, in my opinion, mm-hmm. who love the kids mm-hmm. too much, who the kids don't really want to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't, in any of these situations, you don't go off of one particular thing. Mm-hmm. Unless somebody has said, this person yeah. did this thing at this time, or you know, a, a child has some impressions that they're trying to get across to you. Right. But you know, you want to look at, have, have five different people said something mild about this person, like they, they made them uncomfortable in some kind of way. How many times do you find yourself dismissing? Oh, well, that's just, Mm -hmm. or you must have misinterpreted. 
or that's just because they care or that's just mm-hmm. because they love you or that's just because check yourself. Yeah. You know, we all have to check ourselves, especially Absolutely. in familial experiences. And that's our bias. It's it's a space of bias that we may not even be aware of. It may be a space of bias due to the systemic development that we already have in that space. So if we're used to things being a certain way in a particular environment, if that's whether that's school or a home or whatever in your community, if you're used to things being a certain way and then someone comes in and they disrupt that in some way, you're automatically going to say, oh no, no one's ever said that. And it's okay that no one has ever said it, but if someone is saying it and someone is is consistently and you're beginning to see things, and in my opinion, I think one, you should trust your gut. I always think Mm -hmm. you should trust your gut and not talk yourself out of, or anyone else. You know, you don't want to talk anyone else out of their experience and their reality, their truth. Right. And I I say this regularly, you know, when people, when something happens, like say in a neighborhood and what do we hear? We hear all the things about how great that person was. Mm -hmm. I just said this yesterday. It is not hard to look and act like a good person mm-hmm. at all is not is not difficult mm-hmm. at all yeah. and especially if someone is actively planning and actively grooming on purpose mm-hmm. you are, the likelihood that you're gonna notice is pretty actually pretty low yeah yeah and because what you're looking for is what we're all of us, all of us are typically looking for information that validates our narrative. Yes, absolutely. And especially in family. Yes. If the narrative is that grandma is this person, X, Y, Z. You're going to look for the information. that The affirmative. You're going to search for the affirmative. And you're going to find reasons, excuses, or solutions, as you may see them, for anything that goes against that. Oh, that's just because. This is used. Oh, that's just because X, Y, and Z. Oh, that was a one-time thing. That wasn't really a... Yeah, I totally totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. I think I'll say this. We can talk about this for way longer than the time that we've talked about it today because we can go in so many different directions mm-hmm. as it relates to female perpetrators, the impact of you know media and societal pressures on male and masculinity and what that looks like, as well as the role and characteristics of the nurturer and what that looks like and how that impacts one of our main goals here is to stir up our minds and attention to what we what the what's the box that we've created about this topic and know that that box doesn't fit mm-hmm. it's not big enough it's not big enough for the ways that this is experienced and so, so that's, you know, as, as our seasons continue to un- unfold, you know, we will, we will continue to talk about all these different aspects, but today kind of hitting on some of these pieces and they may have been a little bit all over the place and mm-hmm. we're okay with that, but we challenge you. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I challenge you as listeners to think about your spaces and the, and the people that, that you're around and how you're influenced um, and where your biases are, 
and what that conversation looks like for you in your family, in your school, in your church, in your in your community. What that looks like for you as it relates to, do you have any biases as it relates to male versus female perpetrators? Do you have any biases as it relates to masculinity and femininity and in the space of um, victim or survivorhood? Um, and if you do find that you have bias, I would challenge you to challenge those biases and find out why they're there and how can you correct those in a way that's more um, supportive. Because you never know who may be looking for an ear, maybe looking for a safe space or place. And so I think when we're able to check our biases, we're, we're able to open up a door where we're, we, can, we can provide support and be support. And we can be more likely to catch these situations early and maybe you know, Sadal and I won't be sitting with people who've had a full childhood of, of abuse, assault, neglect, and really just terror and horrific trauma. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next time on the FF podcast. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Follow or subscribe for notifications to upcoming Freak Out Free resources. Reviews are always welcome, so we can keep doing what you enjoy and tweaking the rough edges. We would also love to hear from you. If you want your question answered live on a future podcast, go to our webpage linked in the description and click leave a voicemail on the right side of the page. Or post a comment on Instagram under this week's episode at Reset Trauma Unstuck.